technique and drills make you go faster, not getting fitter and fitter and fitter. More technique, more downwind, and honing skills. You're never too old to change bad habits, and you're never too old to learn new ones. I can teach you all the mistakes. I've had so many mistakes in this life of mine, long life, paddling life, and why should you make the same mistakes when I've already been through there, done that, bought the t-shirt a number of times, Hi there, welcome to the Coach Tulupski podcast. These episodes are taken from Oscar's live interactions with his Oscar's club members and are great for anyone looking for insights into paddling faster and having more fun. Yeah. Okay, as usual, always on time for a live chat. Is that... For this time, I can't believe I've actually got a lucky uh, cameraman this time, so I'm going to turn the camera around and I've got a, I've got a photographer in Claire. She can, she can ask some questions. If you write in, she'll ask. So I'm turning the camera around. Hello. Okay. So first, tonight I'm going to discuss uh, the reason why I'm doing these different times is that it affects a lot of people around the world. I know it's in morning in Australia and New Zealand, some of our It's very early in Hong Kong and uh, it's fairly late in uh, South Africa and uh, it's pretty much morning or afternoon in America. So. Hopefully this time slot will work. I'll keep on changing the time slots to make it better. But we're going to discuss a bit of cost training. I've got a few questions and um, don't hesitate to write, type some uh, questions and then Claire will t- tell me what they are. Okay, the Senate Descent. The Senate Descent is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, canoe races. Okay, It's down a river between Ariondas and River de Sela. And we heard about this race long ago because South Africans are mad about paddling downriver in narrow, very narrow K1s and K2s. This race, in the early days, my father was there in 1967 and came fourth or fifth, and then in 69 he won it. And when you win the, in those days, when you won the race, you got your name carved on the bridge and, and you, your name was drawn out of a hat and everybody lines up in the bank as you've seen some interesting uh, videos. And through the years I raced and, and, and the funniest thing in 1985, listen to a funny story, in 1985 Herman and I were training flat out for this uh, set of descent and, and we, were, we were winning in South Africa so we thought oh we're going to have a good chance in, in Spain. So when we're getting in the aeroplane we're flying to the race, we see a photograph and you know we're speaking to people and say oh we're going to go to this race because we're flying our barrier and they had obviously a, a whole series of photographs of this race, the set of descent, and we said, oh, we're going to go there. Father won that in 1969, we're going to do it in 1985. We land in, uh, in uh, Madrid airport, and can you believe it? We asked the people in the car, and oh, we're going to do the set of descent. He says, what? You're one week late. It was last week. So that was the most frustrating year of my life. So we raced all the other races, in those days it was a week. Every second day there was a race. And we won every single one, but we weren't even there to race the set of descent, which is one of the funniest things. So don't ever rely on administration to sort it out. So interesting, all these years, the last time I did this race was eight years ago with Herman. And, and again, because we were under 50, we started and we got our names drawn out of the hat and we started in a decent position so we could compete. So this year, when you're over 50, you compete in the over 50s and they started at 800. So we had 800 people to uh, go past, which is ridiculously tough. And we didn't actually realize that our boat was so low volume because we had to go through so many, so many boats 
that our, our, our boat was kept on filling out, so we had to empty out twice. But the bottom line is that to this day, Clare gets always a, I'm very well known, I went there five or six or seven or eight times and I, and I won one, I came second and one, we came second and third and about three or four. So we've been there going there for a long time. So we're quite well known in the town, so it's quite fun to arrive, but we're only known by, by the old people. As Claire says, the old people, the only people that say, ah, Chalupski, Chalupski, Los Hermanos Chalupski, which means the brother Chalupski. So when you're walking through the town of Oriandas, which is very small in the mountains, everybody knows us, buying us drinks and things like that. Apple cedra is the, the, the drink of, of choice there, and, and they pour it behind the back, and, and they have to aerate it. So it's not like your, your ciders that you have nowadays. This is real um, fermented, in-the-bottle apple cider that has gone back for many years. So this year was no difference. And the reason why I bring the cellar descent is a good offshoot of cross-training, you know. The whole thing about, uh, about padding is never to be focused on one thing all the time. Try and change it up. And I know everybody sitting in, uh, in uh, Australia and New Zealand, they're probably freezing. we fairly warm, although the last two days have been fairly cold. Yeah, it's been like winter, 20 degrees. But um, the whole thing about doing all these different races, you experience different people, experience different skill sets and I think that's why we I've always done everything all the sports and my cross training has been very varied throughout my life I never concentrated solely on one sport I made life fun and the cross training I did I mean in those days I'm talking a long time ago I even played tennis I did athletics I did discus I did all these sports and everything I did, I did with serious gusto and I really concentrated on making it, I wanted to win at all costs all the time, whether it was tiddling wins or tennis, so all these different sports and the ones that I've sort of carried on going with, I've always run for cross training. I crossed and, and in the gym, when I went to the gym, I would run in the gym and swim in the gym as well. So swimming has been a part of me, obviously I was in the national team water polo, so swimming was part, I was a swimmer all my life, and a lifesaver, so that's lifesaving. So in lifesaving, you've got a lot of cross-training. I was doing kneeboard, swimming, ski, and belt swimming, so those are also cross-training. And then uh, I took up cycling, I had to do like a super man competition, which is involved cycling, and I started cycling a lot. So I even did, uh, I was one of the first people in South Africa that was doing triathlons when it was really, really new. And I'll never forget, it was 1980, so that's a long time ago where I was one of the top triathletes. So I was swimming fast, I could cycle fast and run fast. Now, again, it's good to change up all your, your training all the time, although we're trying to focus on getting better at paddling. So for you now, what I do now is in the mornings, most mornings uh, I alternate between uh, cycling and running and I do it all at math remember math so it's not killing me although I've just started running and it is killing my legs a little bit I am feeling a bit tired after only an 8k run at math I cycle between one and one and a half hours in the morning and before I actually go and do cycling or run I, I do my, my on land exercises which is a few push-ups a few squats a few uh, hyper extensions everything to try and strengthen uh, my core and my back, because a lot of people make the mistake is that paddlers are actually generally fairly strong in the core and actually weak in their backs, because you're sitting like this all the time. 
you're actually not. So if you set up nice, like uh, you've been told to sit up, yes, you wouldn't be so. But when you sit like this, you, you're not as strong in your back as you think you are. Your core is strong because you're working it all the time, but your back isn't as strong. In fact, when I was in Hawaii, I was training with one of the top surfers in the, in the, in the world, and he was super strong in the back because when you surf, you surf, surf like that and you get up. You're pushing up all the time, up. So he couldn't do a push-up where I could do a plank and push-up for ages. He couldn't do one. But when it comes to hyper extensions like lifting your back up, that's where we lack. So that's the kind of uh, exercise that I do. So I normally do my exercises just before I go to bed. Let's say squats and those rubber bands, just doing the rubber bands, feeling that I'm doing the all light weights, nothing uh, big, just to, to, um, to change up, to make it different, you know. That's why I say to, in, in most of my programs, if you're training for a downward race like the Doctor or the Dragon Run, the thing to do is, whenever the wind blows, drop everything and do downward. Downward is something that you're going to do. So again, if I've given you a structured program, when the wind blows and you can go out and back and do, um, do padding in the wind, you must do it. So cross-training is, is, is there not only to, to help and, and, and help your, your muscles uh, develop in different areas, but it's also there to make it fun and interesting all the time. Try and make it interesting all the time. And something that I've found uh, a lot is that if you're going to waste deep water or if you're going to swimming pool, for those people that are freezing in, uh, in Australia and New Zealand, to do those uh, waste deep water drills really is a fantastic workout. It's a fun thing to do. And in 45 minutes to an hour, you are completely exhausted. This really is tough. Um, so, any questions there, Claire, that are coming through? I haven't seen any. Okay, haven't seen any. Okay, so a couple of questions that came up, and it's very interesting, is, is uh, one, of our, one of our students, uh, uh, Phil Paris-Brown, Dr. Phil Paris-Brown, now retired, who sits with his legs open like this, and it's funny, what a small world, that when I was about five or six years old, paddling these narrow boats, I also sat in the boat like this, because I was paddling like this. Now, if you sit in the boat like this, it's really hard to rotate and make your legs drive the boat forward. So the reason why I want your legs here is that when you rotate now, when I rotate now, there and there, I'm driving these legs straight, so they don't mess up my hips, straight into the boat and make it so. And I, and I do, I see people that think that helps their balance, but the reason, there's two reasons why it helps the balance. Number one, it does lower your center of gravity, but it also doesn't let you rotate. It's very hard to rotate when your legs are like this. When your legs are like this, you can rotate a lot more. And rotating a lot more makes you unstable. But it's something that you have to just practice at. Okay? So it's something I really want to see your legs like that, so it's like a bicycle. You can see the bad cyclists cycle like this, the good cyclists have got their legs together. Okay, the next question is, adapting paddle techniques from Will in uh, UK. I'm sure he's listening away there. Adapting paddle techniques for both flat water racing and in rougher conditions, um, downwind conditions. And if you listen to any of my clinics, I want you and everybody else to really focus on your, your, your technique in flat water to make it so good in flat water that when you get into downwind and racing, it, nothing should change. The, the best athletes in the world when they're training, they look exactly like they're training. That's why Hussein Bolt looks so effortless. And if you look at him training, he looks effortless. And when he's winning 100 meters and 200, looks effortless. The best golfers 
look effortless. It's because they train, train to be absolutely perfect in any conditions. In fact, the story I heard of Tiger Woods, I see he's just pulled out of a, out of a tournament in, um, in a, the Northern Trust in America, part of the FedEx tour. After going to play in rough conditions, he always comes back to calm conditions to get his technique better. Because let me tell you, if you're paddling and racing in rough conditions, your technique will fail. It will get worse. So always come back and do your technique sessions and get better and better at them. So keep on improving. The best people in the world look effortless. You look like a Corey Hill, he looks effortless. The Hank McGregor, they look effortless in rough conditions. You've got to be able to take it from the flat water into the rough water and then into the rough water and racing. So there's no difference in technique. It should be all the same. You don't want to change your technique. It's the same thing cyclists probably do. When they, whether they're going uphill or downhill, they're trying to keep the same cadence, the same thing we want to do, is try and keep that same effortless style. And you can see that in swimmers as well. Somebody's asking for a, a recent video of, of me paddling from the side. I'll look it up and I'll, I will post that later, as I can't do that now. Okay. Here's another question. Is a 510 suitable for multi-sport races like uh, the coast to coast in New Zealand? So can you train in the Ocean River safely and race in the same boat as in training? Well, the 510 is a plastic boat, which is, which is relatively heavy. So if you don't have to carry it, it's not a big deal. In fact, the five, this year in the, in the cellar, the first year ever, we had a 510 class in the cellar. There were 31 entrants, first year out, which is fantastic. And they had a ball. Because with a 510 in the river, and like the coast to coast is down a river, is if you fall out, you just jump back on. If you hit a rock, you don't even worry. Nothing happens. You just bend and buckles and off it goes. So it becomes, becomes very easy. And of course, they come with an overstern rider, so you're not going to hit any rocks. It becomes easy. And that boat is not slow. In fact, I raced in Guadeloupe in, in the 510. It was a 50-kilometer race, and I only got beaten by the current European champion, uh, a guy, Nicolas Lambe. And I was neck and neck with him the whole way for the 50 kilometers in a 21-kilogram boat, and he was in a 9-kilogram boat. So that shows that it's not a slow boat. And, and, and we have many 510 cup races where they're one-class cups, and the guys are pushing those boats at 13, 14 kilometers an hour in flat water. So it's not too slow. In, in fact, uh, there's a big joke that Bailey beat one of the guys planning a K1 in the cellar this year, a, a young up-and-coming K1 player. He did have a few swoops, but again, the 510 managed very well. In fact, they're going to do the 510 in the, in the Liffey Descent this year. There'll be a class of plastic boats, which is good. So it's expanding, it's, it's, it's making a game. Nice cross-training. The only downside is it's quite heavy to carry. It's 21.6 kilograms, although a spec ski, uh, a life-saving spec ski is 18 kilograms. So it's not a lot heavier and a lot more fun. You can't break it. It'll last a long time. So that's a lot of fun. So that's my, if I was doing the coast to coast for the first time, I wouldn't hesitate to use um, to use the the five tech. Okay, next one is how tippy hard is to paddle a five sixty L with other type of narrow surskis to start with? Just wondering. So that was the thing. How tippy how, or how hard is to paddle a five sixty L? All boats, all boats. And it's, again, it comes to my, my motto that I started maybe 25 years ago. In fact, 
I'll never forget that race that I raced in 1985 in the Fish River Marathon. You might have seen the video of me racing and winning when I've never even seen the river. It was in a much more stable, or much more, a, a more stable boat than other people because stability is important. If you aren't, if you paddling a 560, to give you an example, a 560 is our most unstable surf ski, and you go in the ocean and you don't feel like you're on flat water, that boat is too tippy. And that's the best way. Too many people go too high and actually the technique goes worse and everything. Because downwind paddling is about the first and second stroke. Now as you fall off a wave, and if you've got one stroke that you miss, you're going to miss the wave. So the big thing is on a 560, if you are absolutely, like when I paddle out in a 560, and listen to this, if I paddle a 510 before and then I suddenly paddle a 560, I can tell you right now the 560 feels unstable. But for about five or ten minutes and then it's completely stable. So the whole thing about it, about any boat choice is you must take it on rough conditions and you must feel like you're paddling our most stablest boat, the 520XL. That's what it should feel like. So a lot of people have got this misconception that the narrower the boat, the faster it goes. There's no way. That does not happen. I know for a fact that I was paddling a, a 5.10 in Guadeloupe and I was paddling a 5.50 in the last year's French Championships where the World Championships is in a month's time. I paddled a 5.50 which is really stable, super stable. I ended up coming 8th overall racing against the guys with narrowest boats. And that brings me to the next thing. If you're going to do the sport, do it for fun and competitive. And a way to make it more fun is to have a boat that you're so comfortable that you can put the power down when you want, you're never going to fall out, you're not going to get into trouble, and, and that's, my, that's really something I really stress. Don't go for it too unstable. Rather be stable, and if you want to be more unstable, lift the seat. Don't worry about uh, uh, being too stable. There's no such thing. Okay? There's a question here from David Whitmer. Do you ever stop paddling when cross-training or, say, off-season? Oh, that's a good, good question. Do I ever stop paddling? Actually, not really. I mean, I might take one or two days off, but I never paddle because I find it's one of the, the most relaxing and de-stressing things because in our hustle and bustle life, I think paddling is one of those things where that's why I go and paddle. People say, oh, what are you doing paddling 40 to 60 kilometers? I said, I enjoy it. It's completely stress-free. I'm myself. I'm catching waves and things like that. So, I mean, the longest time I didn't paddle for was in 19. I have to remember, it's 83. Like 1990, when I took up golf, I was banned from the Molokai. I won seven Molokais in a row, and then they phoned me up. You're not allowed to race. And that minute on, I took up golf, and then I didn't paddle for quite a while. But I used to paddle on a weekend. If there's a race, I might have paddled. But I was just completely focused on golf and I didn't paddle. That was the longest time I've never paddled for. So I always paddle. It's like my father, he paddles every second day at 82 years old. He's paddling and he's, he's actually just doing the Camino now. Yesterday, he did, with his backpack and his, his girlfriend, they did 22 kilometers. That's good cross standing. And then today, which took him seven hours. And today he did 14 kilometers. He's got another 200 kilometers to get to Santiago to Campestela. So he's also a cross trainer and he does cycling and all those things. So he's still paddling at 82 and he started when he was 19, so he's been doing it for a long time. Okay, another question I've got. Um, uh, yeah, 
what weather apps do you use and, and monitoring wind and things like that. It's very important, you know. In the old days, we never knew. And in fact, my first ever serious um, surf ski paddle, I was, my father and Tony Scott were paddling. Now, this is when I was maybe 12. So, young guy, and I'm in the ocean, and, and, and we we paddling from Durban to Mschlong and back, which is uh, probably 30 kilometers. And we're paddling along. Now, there's no weather maps. There's no nothing in those days. So I'm paddling along, and I'm... I'm, I'm doing uh, doing well, and then we turn around, we start paddling uh, back, and they told me to turn a little bit earlier, and then what happens is the howling wind, 30, 40 knots comes, comes. I said, what's this, I'm not going to paddle upwind, so I turned around and I started paddling downward, and I'm lucky, I mean, I'm very lucky that I actually crossed them, they said, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm not going to paddle actually, this wind is too hard. So what actually happened is that I jumped in the back with my father, and Tony Scott took my ski, and we bashed against this howling southwester. And the funniest thing happened on that day, I was paddling along and this big shark came from the side and went under, like, looking like it was gonna attack me and it went under me and I did scream. It's the first time I screamed and that was when I was 12 and I saw this shark. So that was very interesting to, uh, to see. And again, we had no weather charts. Uh, I, I always trained in Durban Harbor and that they had a, a tower which mentioned the westerly buster. We used to get a southwest buster that could go from zero, and this is no, no lie, from zero to 30 to 40 to 50 notes in five minutes. That's no lie, five minutes. So you can imagine I was planning in a K1 in the Durban Harbor and then suddenly this wind comes and you sink. And we're training at night or early in the morning, it's a problem. So I've, on, my, on my phone I've got all the weather apps. So I've got many apps. So I use Windy, Windy TY, Wind Guru, then I use um, Apple, Apple, which does windy, uh, does uh, weather NO. I use that one because Apple uses that one as well. Then I use um, Wind Finder, and then I use local sites. I always get onto local sites. I mean, Fishhook have got their own local site in in uh, in uh, Cape Town where you can actually log in to see live weather. I've got live weather here at Viana de Castello, which gives me the live weather. So I, I look. And, and, and watch it and study it all the time. And then I've got weather at the big port here, Montezinos, which is the big uh, harbor down the road about, I paddle from there quite often, it's about 20 kilometers down the coast. So I'm always watching all these things because it, it makes a big difference. If I go out for a paddle and I tell, okay, okay, it's gonna take me this long. She doesn't wanna wait all day and she starts panicking, oh, where are you? After 36 years, she has worked out when the wind dies on me. I'm going to take a little bit longer. So that does happen. So I'm always constantly focusing on weather. Every morning I wake up, I check the weather, and I can tell you right now, by the way, that the weather for, from tomorrow until wind guru stops is howling wind every afternoon for me to do downwinds. And now I've started my training in earnest for the World, uh, world um, Surski Championships in uh, Quiberon, France. So today I'm on the end of my second day fast, so zero food, only water, uh, and apple cider vinegar and, and lemon and, and sparkling water, and nothing else. And then sometimes a dash of cream, no milk. So in a day, probably two cups of coffee and cream. Uh, in the morning I wake up, I have the apple cider vinegar, lemon, salt, and sparkling water. In the evening I have the same. 
And so this is two days, so it's up to 50 hours, and I will break the fast on um, Sunday evening. I've got a dinner party, party, so I've got to break the fast. But, and I'm training now, when I train when I'm under in fasted conditions, I only do it at math. You can't really do it at high intensity, although I don't feel bad at all, and, and I don't feel hungry at all, because I've done it. Because I'm always in ketosis, I'm always burning fat, I've got no problem with, um, with having uh, uh, no food. It doesn't, I'm never hungry. And, and sometimes I feel like this, this morning's run, I felt I was a bit sluggish, but it wasn't really because I was just running against a howling wind on the way back. Tomorrow morning I'll do a one and a half, two hour cycle in the afternoon, and then I'm teaching all the Nello staff how to paddle surf skis in the morning, and in the afternoon I'll do maybe 20 or 30 kilometer downwind. And feeling good. Everything in math, so you don't put your body in stress, but it does help you to burn a lot of, uh, a, a lot of fat. So the first day I lost four kilos. So I hope to lose a lot in these by Sunday, nearly be on uh, race pace and getting fitter and stronger, you know, because some people say, oh no, you fast so long at the office today. They were saying, oh my God, what are you, what are you having? I said, no, I'm fasting. So they said, what are you having? Oh, I'm just having that. Crazy. So some people ask, can you fast and have beer? No, you can't. Because the beer gives you an insulin spike which will make you hungry, which messes up everything that you're trying to achieve when, you, when you're trying to keep in ketosis. I like to do this at the start of my training, so I know about four weeks, and, and I'd like to uh, get really fast. But again, doing lots of technique every afternoon. So I started the fast, I ran, and I cycled, and I ran again. And then every day I've been doing technique, uh, warm up 15, 20 minutes, and then just do technique. I've been doing it with uh, Bailey. And again, technique's gonna make me faster, and, and then uh, not worrying about doing any sprints or anything like that. Now, I'll probably introduce sprints next week, and all I'll do is on a downwind, I might take, I might do a couple of one kilometer flat out uh, sprints in the ocean, learning out there. But again, back to technique, all the time technique. Technique is gonna make me get fast. I'm too old to go fast, uh, fast as the youngsters, but if I can get my technique perfect in rough conditions, I know I'm going to, I'm going to shape. Now, William said that he took the 510 today in 30 knot wind, and he had, a, he had a ball, and the elite boats could not keep up. Exactly what I'm saying. Well done, William. You see, that's exactly what happens. Are we using the 520 or the 510? 510. He was in the 510. Exactly. So that's a perfect example. People don't realize that catching a run, if you, as I say, if you missed your first run, your first paddle stroke, you, you're out. And, and as I say, Willem is a perfect example. He was with me in Guadeloupe learning about ketosis, learning about stable boats. And believe me, he beat a lot of people in a much narrower and lighter boats because he's comfortable and, and, and it's hard to get through people. It's an old story. How the amount of people that buy four by fours and never go off road, it's the same amount of people that buy fast boats and can't sit in them. They can't sit in them, they can't put the power down. And, and there's a perfect example. I know so many people, in fact, the race I did in Germany, it was huge conditions, by the way, huge. This guy never paddles, he's a, a C1 paddler, his name's Peter John, he's from Nello, Germany. He paddled a 510 and he beat many guys in elite boats, and he had fun. He came here and he said, no, I didn't fall off well, and so it's fun. He, and he doesn't paddle. 
So it shows you, and, and it's so hard to get through to the people to rather be stable than unstable and enjoy it. If you're not going to win the race, enjoy the race. And if you're not going to be in the top, participate and have fun. That's what it's all about. And people make that big mistake. That's why I like competing. I'm very, very, very competitive. But it's a choice between a, 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 a stable boat and an unstable. I'm always going to take the stable boat. I'm very happy to race the 550. And again, sometimes if there's no other boats, I'll use the 510 or the 520. And it's good to see Willem's improving all the time. And he's testament to what a bit of coaching and a bit of help. And I'm here for you. Remember, even if you're not on Facebook, this will get uh, emailed to the people that aren't on Facebook, just to give them all information. And uh, I'm expanding the, the, the online group. I think it would be nice to have more people sharing the ideas and, and the, the feedback that I've been getting is really good. And I appreciate all your, all your um, feedback. And uh, don't forget, you can start sending soon your, your techniques to me and I'll, I'll go over them, uh, critique them and give you some more ideas. And I'm always updating the, the, the plans. I just updated a plan for the doctor that can only, people can only paddle five times a week. Um, so don't hesitate. Um, the, the door is open. Uh, the knowledge is always there and I do it easier. And, and more relaxed and more fun and that's what we all want to do without uh, getting injured and things like that and those guys recovering from injury we also wish them a speedy recovery so they just get better and better without uh, damaging themselves any further any more questions Claire? Uh, no not that I can see have you, Let's have a look have have you checked all of them? I think I did all of the questions David Whitmer, he says, I'm on a beginner flat water schedule. It's working out great, honestly. I'm also doing the exercise plan before bedtime. Fantastic. As I say, With one leg squats and burpees. 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 Yeah. It's okay to try other things, drills, besides the schedule. Yes, yes. I mean, again, it's so difficult because your time, you determine what time you've got and what, when you can do them. So don't get fixate at least it gives you something that's what you should be doing and if you don't feel good or you you're, you're feeling a bit lethargic then do something else do something fun go for a cycle do a little math do all these things change change it up because it's difficult to write a program because i don't know how you're feeling that day so i can and, and that's what I, and I see people here training they've got a program they just religiously do it the wind's blowing and they're doing a flat water session they go and do it You've got to change your, your don't just get fixated on, on, the, on the program all the time. Yes, it's going to give you motivation to do something. And yes, I'm, I, 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 in a perfect world, that's how you should train. But uh, perfect example, the wind was howling today, so I ran, which is, and I felt, I've been paddling four days in a row, and I thought, okay, I'm going to take a break. So I did a break, I did my evening exercises, and, I, and I always, I'm always trying new exercises, and I'll, I'll share them with you as well, you know, just to try and get the full body rotation i'm always trying to to work on that and balancing all the time so that's why the one-legged squats as you know david is not as easy as it looks when you try and do it it's like huh and again i don't do deep squats because in my in my surf i can't do a deep squat i only do it sort of halfway so i do the same thing i try and keep everything the same if i'm doing my my, my elastic band drills 
I just do them nice and light, just to strengthen my shoulders and things like that. Don't don't get fixated on programs, but don't uh, say don't get fixated, but don't waver too much. Where you say, oh, I can take three or four days off. As you know, um, as you get older, and most of my clients are older, uh, the longer you 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 rest for, the longer your your muscles sort of uh, forget. So it's better. That's why you'll see I don't do long tapers. I even paddle the day before. I want to keep the muscles muscles active. The more the more your muscles are active, the more they fire when you need them in the rest. Can you believe it? Time flies when you're having fun. That's ten thirty, and um, I hope you enjoyed the the live podcast. Uh, probably next week we'll see see what people say about the time slot. I think it's uh, it can work. Um, I can even do it later after a party. It'll even be fun. It's much easier. And um, again, don't hesitate to give me feedback and, and get some of your mates to join. Uh, I pre- appreciate the referrals and, uh, and keep up the improvements because that's the most important thing for me to see is the way you guys are improving and I'll keep on improving as, as a coach and, and try and uh, show the youngsters with uh, skill and not brute force. Thank you very much for listening, everybody, and uh, hopefully we'll do something next week. Welcome all the new members that uh, are, are listening. And don't be scared to make comments. I know the girls, Karen and Claudia, they're all hiding behind their computers without, um, without uh, making any comments. Make your comments, and I'll always answer your questions. I really appreciate uh, your loyalty. Hi there, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, If you want to join Oscar's club or get access to his free technique video series, you can do that by visiting coachtulipski.com.